Become a Leslie's Pro member, and with almost a 1,000 locations conveniently located less than 3 miles from your service route, you can quickly get in and out and take care of your customers. Get Skimmer, America's number one pool service software platform. Listeners of the podcast can try Skimmer for free. Visit my website, swimmingpoollearning.com, and click on the Leslie's Pro and the Skimmer banners to learn more. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Hi, welcome to the Pool Guy Podcast Show. In this episode, I'm going to go over some common rookie mistakes that you could make out there in the field. I've made them. A lot of people in my group have made them. So I'm going to go over some of the more common mistakes you're going to make as you're learning the ropes as a pool service professional and as a business owner. Pool Service Pro, open a Leslie's Wholesale account today and receive wholesale pricing on products you use every day. Leslie's Pool Supply offers convenient locations that are open seven days a week. Another great benefit of opening a Leslie's Wholesale account is Leslie's Referral Program. Get referred to a customer looking for weekly pool service. Save time and money and grow your pool service route and become a Leslie's Pro. I think one of the biggest mistakes you can make out there to begin and start your service is to be underbidding the service accounts. And this happens a lot out there, and I've been guilty of this when I first started out. And getting the rate or the service rate in your area is really important. So being part of a group like my coaching program, where you can be in the group chat and ask somebody in Phoenix, Arizona, hey, what's your average pool that you charge for per month? Or if you're in Houston, Texas, you can put in there and ask around for the rates they charge for their pool service. And get an idea if you're in the ballpark, if you're undercharging, Because when you undercharge, you're leaving money on the table and you're also lowering the bar for the area down so that, you know, the people in your area can't charge more because you're charging so little. And I think with the rampant inflation, with the gas prices being at the record levels they're at, the chemical prices being at these record levels, there really is no other way to run a business and to be profitable without kind of matching the prices of your competitors. And this happens in every industry. I mean, if you go to Amazon and you're looking for a laptop or a drone and you go to Best Buy looking for the same laptop or drone, you're going to find that the price is pretty much the same or within a few dollars of each other. And that's how it should be in the pool industry. In my area, when I call a plumber, I really don't ask how much they're going to charge me because I know it's going to be very similar. They probably all get together at their conventions and set their rates. And so I think... That's one thing that is a problem here in our industry is that we don't set our rates properly and you end up underbidding a pool. So find out what the average stop per visit is in your area. Some areas are $45 a stop. Other areas are maybe $25 a stop or $35 a stop. And you want to bid that pool accordingly. And you also have to factor in the size of the pool. You know, if you're bidding a 40,000 gallon pool, that's like three of your normal 15,000 gallon pools pools there and so you have to charge three times what you would charge if you were bidding for a 15,000 gallon pool versus a 40,000 gallon pool. You can't bid the 40,000 gallon pool the same rate you would bid a 15,000 gallon pool. Same thing with a pool and I mentioned this in another podcast the pool you should pass on but if the pool is a time-consuming pool with heavy debris or if there's other issues there then you're gonna have to bid higher on those pools if you wanted to take that account on. And same with commercial bidding. I have a lot of podcasts on commercial bidding. You can find those on my site. If you go to swimmingpoolearning.com and go to the banner, click on the podcast icon, just type in commercial, and you'll get different podcasts I recorded on commercial bidding. Bottom line is, a lot of times when you're a rookie, you don't know what to bid, 
And so you make the mistake of underbidding and you're leaving a lot of money on the table. And you may not be making any money if you go to a stop that's 40 or 50,000 gallons and you're charging what someone would charge in your area for 15,000 gallons. So keep that in mind that find out in your area what people are charging for pool service. If you have to cold call local pool companies and ask them how much it is for a pool, if you have a pool yourself, you can call someone in and say, hey, I need a bid on my pool. Have the local guy come there and give you a price and you'll have a, a general idea of how much you should be charging. And I would get two or three different rates out there. So you know you're not just getting an anomaly of someone super high or super low. But definitely make sure that you're bidding these accounts accordingly. Another rookie mistake is taking on a service account where it's way over your head. But you're taking the account on because you figure you can learn on the fly. A lot of times you can't. And so you're going to take on an account with maybe an automated system you're not familiar with. Or maybe it has some kind of system or valves or configuration that's really confusing. There's solar panels on the roof and there's valves going to it or pipe going to it. I think at this point, you can either get educated really fast or you can lose that account and kind of hurt your reputation. So if you ever get to a pool, and this is only when you're beginning and you're kind of learning, you'll probably laugh at yourself later thinking that something was really complicated when it wasn't. But if you're learning and you don't really know the system, I would say more than likely you can pass on it. Or if you know someone locally that can help you with it, which is something that you should be developing is connections in the industry with someone who can help you out if you have a problem with that pool. And I would say take that pool and if you have someone you can call in for some problems, you can definitely do that. A lot of this is mainly commercial accounts. So if you haven't done commercial pools and if you have your CPO, that's one aspect of it. But when you get to an equipment room of a commercial pool, it may look really different than what you're familiar with in a residential setting. And it may be something really complicated with the equipment room being below the pool, different valves to turn, multiple skimmers. And if you think you're in over your head at that point, then you probably are. And I would say come back to that after you're a year in or two years in. And if you have to bid some commercial pools, you have some idea now of different aspects of that, how they work. And you really can't do this as a rookie because it's way over your head in a lot of cases. So limit yourself to residential pools and simple residential pools for that matter. Infinity edge pools can be very complicated. If you've never maintained them, they have a basin. They may have a separate pump. There's some certain things you have to set for the hydraulics for everything to work correctly so the basin's not too low or too high and the pool's running correctly. Some of them don't have skimmers. And so these can be complicated pools to bid on. And I would say if you're just starting out and you're not familiar with a lot of things, you may want to pass on some of these difficult pools so that you're not in a pinch. There's plenty of accounts out there. Don't sell yourself short thinking that if you pass on this pool, you're losing money. You're really not because then you have other opportunities out there. I would definitely focus on those accounts that you can handle and pass on the ones that are just a little bit over your head. Problem that I see a lot is liability issues in the industry where rookies will take on things or do things that they shouldn't be doing. And the biggest one, and this is the one that gets one of the most liability calls, is when you leave the garden hose on or the fill line on at an account because you're filling the customer's pool because the water level was low. Note that you should not be filling customers' pools. That's their responsibility. And if you do fill the pool, you run the risk of flooding that yard, flooding their house, flooding the neighbor's yard, and having a lot of liability. So I will rarely fill a pool when I'm, when I'm on my route. The only time I'll make an exception is if I'm doing a pool that the house is empty and they don't have anything set up. 
What I like to do is have that pool set up with a some kind of automatic water system with a timer or a pool sentry, the on-deck device where you have a garden hose connected to it, some way to get the water in there when I'm not around. So you definitely want to set up some kind of automated water system, either the pool sentry, which is pretty basic, or timer on the on their fill line, some way for the pool to fill itself. A lot of pools that are newer will have auto fills, which are fine, and so you don't have to worry about it. But a lot of the older accounts, and some accounts don't have auto fills, and therefore the water level can get low. And you may be tempted to fill it, especially if you're frustrated because the customer is not filling the pool, and you feel like they're not listening to you, and they're not following the directions that keep the proper water level which of course causes you a lot of problems because when the water level gets too low, it causes the equipment not to run properly or the skimmer not to work properly and there's more debris in the pool. You may have water quality issues. Bottom line is, you know, that's frustrating, I understand, but don't be tempted to fill the pools for your customers because you're going to eventually leave a hose on or leave a fill line on and flood that particular account. The one thing you can do, and I'll do this when I'm filling pools, when the properties are abandoned, or no one's living in them at that time, before I have it set up to where they have to fill it, I'll put my truck keys, I have a carbine that I clip on there, and I'll clip it onto the fill line, or I'll clip it onto the garden hose so that I can't leave that account without my truck keys. And this is a good way to do that in a pinch. I don't recommend doing this at all the accounts you're filling, but I've gotten to my truck before without my keys, and I realized that I was filling the water. I do it so infrequently that it's one of those things where I don't even remember that I left my keys there. And I think it's a bad habit to develop where you're filling pools up for the customer because that leads to a lot of liability. And by the way, you do need to have liability insurance if you're doing pool service. I recommend SPA, S-P-P-A. You can go to thesppa.com to get a policy. And if you join my coaching program, you're going to get 10% off every month from your insurance policy which pays for the coaching program itself. So I think it's a win-win there. But you definitely want to have general liability insurance in case you do leave a hose on or if you're accused of leaving the hose on. So bottom line is you don't want to do this. And if a customer ever accuses you of leaving their hose on or their fill line on, you can just tell them plainly and flatly that I never fill pools on my route. So I know it wasn't me. Maybe it was your mother-in-law or you know one of your kids that did it. But it wasn't me because as a policy, I don't turn the water onto the pool to fill them. Another very common thing that can happen out there, and this happens to just about everyone, if it hasn't happened to you, it may happen eventually. And that's not falling in the pool. That's something that is going to happen eventually. But this is letting a pet out or a dog out. And I've done this probably a half a dozen times, unfortunately. Sometimes the dog just charges out. Other times the gate is not fully latched. It's my fault. It's hot out there. You're tired. You're bringing stuff in and out. And so it's something that can happen where... You don't shut the gate all the way, or you may not even remember there's a dog at this account, the dog's so quiet, or you may, you know, whatever it may be, I've had dogs come out right when I open the gate, and I have to go chase them down the street. The small dogs are probably the worst because they don't listen, they don't come to you, and they have a lot of energy, and you can chase them for blocks in some cases. The bigger dogs are sometimes a little smarter, they'll stop. I even called one back one time, I was on the front yard, and the dog was like, 50 feet away and I just yelled at it and I clapped my hands and the dog just turned around and came running back. So that does tend to happen when you're tired, not paying attention. If you leave the gate just slightly ajar, the pet can get out and sometimes you have to inform the owner right away so they can track him down for you. But unfortunately this does happen and one of the things that I always am afraid of has never happened 
Thank goodness is that the dog is hit by a car while he's running around out there. So thankfully you're in a residential neighborhood most of the time. And so it's not so bad if you let the dog out, but it's definitely a bad thing. And you want to try in your best ability to bring this dog back. So carry treats on your truck so you can kind of entice the dog back. But just be aware that you have to always be aware there's maybe a pet back there or a dog that can get out. And you want to make sure you close that gate and make sure the dog doesn't get out. The worst thing you can do is let the dog out and not let the customer know. So definitely let them know if the dog got out and you can't track it or retrieve it so they can find the dog and bring it back. And I'll probably make a part two eventually to this because there are so many different aspects or things that go wrong when you're a rookie and you should be aware of all of them so you can maybe avoid some of them by hearing about them ahead of time. But I think one of the biggest mistakes I made in the industry was not having the proper equipment when I started. And granted, I started back in 1988, and there wasn't a lot of high-tech equipment. I did have probably one of the best poles that they made, and that was the Skimlight Dually. And this is the tri-pole that you kind of twist lock. But this is this is the great pole, and it's always been a great pole. And it's one of the first poles I used back then. So I did have a good pool pole, but I did start off using really bad nets. You know, I was going through leaf rakes like crazy. And it's one of those things where once you discover a good leaf rake, you're really golden at that point. But when you first start out, you may be using different ones. So definitely using the right equipment is important when you're out there. It just saves you frustration, saves you from having your leaf rake snap on you. And I definitely started out using the wrong leaf rakes. Then I went to the Red Baron by Purity Pools, which is a really good standard leaf rake. The Red Baron, I like the rag bag so I can easily dump out the debris. Some people don't like the rag bag. They think it's kind of weak, but I really like the rag bag and the ability to dump out the debris quickly. I also like the Smart Company Piranha 2 leaf rake. And once you get a leaf rake you like, definitely stick with it and you're going to get away from those cheapo leaf rakes pretty quickly. But I didn't learn that lesson until later. I also started out using a really cheap vacuum head. And then I quickly moved to the Pentair Provac, which I think is probably the best vacuum head you can get out there. And I've used the Provac since. But the Pentair Provac is the blue vacuum with the white weights on top and the swivel handle. And this really helps vacuuming, it makes manual vacuuming the pool very easy. And I really didn't start using a vacuum system, believe it or not, to about eight years ago. And before that, I would just leaf rake the pool out and deal with manually vacuuming the pool using portable filtration systems but the vacuum system definitely is something that you want to look into if you're new having the better equipment is i think easier when you start your route so having a vacuum system like the bottom feeder hammerhead riptide power vac is definitely going to make your job a lot easier and i also started using the WaterTech battery operated cleaners back in 2013 for the first time and they were okay they weren't the greatest engineered products yet but of course, the more modern rendition of the WaterTech devices have improved dramatically. So they're definitely a great aid on your pool route to vacuum out spas, the spot vacuum a pool. I like the Volt FX8LI. The Precision 2.0 is a little more expensive and a more commercial use vacuum, battery operated vacuum. And I think it's a great device. And I think the WaterTech devices are something that every pool guy and gal should be using out there. It's going to really move the needle when you go to vacuum out spas or water features. And they're great devices that are made really well now. And also the Vac Daddy is something that just came on the market or has just been marketed recently more aggressively. I think this is a great vacuum system that doesn't really fit any category. 
but with the vacuum the waste attachment, it makes really vacuuming pools to waste easy. And so these are all tools and equipment that you should be looking at when you get into the business. Once you have the budget for them, I would say look at upgrading your equipment to premium equipment. Of course, a carbon fiber pole would be a great choice if you don't want to use a skim light pole. They're a little heavy and the carbon fiber pole by Primate is about two and a half pounds and you'll really notice the weight difference by using it on your route. And of course, a service cart by T-Doula. I had a cart pretty much since the beginning when I first started. I had an older T-Doula cart and then I got another T-Doula cart and now I'm using the Advantage Manufacturing carts mainly because T-Doula is kind of behind on production. It's really hard to get one from him. But you can definitely get a service cart from Advantage Manufacturing. You can go on their website or call them and they'll have one ready for you pretty quickly. So the service cart is a great way to take your manual vacuum hose and vacuum head, all the chemicals back there without having to go back and forth to your truck. So I really recommend having a hitch on the back of your truck. And of course, the service cart, either by T-Doula if you can find it, or by Advantage Manufacturing, which makes a really good cart. It's very comparable to the T-Doula cart, and I think a service cart really saves you time going back and forth to your truck to get things. So having the right equipment is half the battle out there. And as a rookie, you may not think that way, but as you become more of a veteran and use these specialized equipments and products, you're going to really be thankful for them and wish you got them a lot earlier, like a vacuum system, the bottom feeder, or the Riptide, I wish I started using these a lot earlier in my career and not later in my career. I still have a lot of rookie mistakes to talk about, and so I'll probably make it into the part two. But I covered some of the more important ones, I think, and the very basic ones that I run into and the ones that I've made myself, I should say. So I think I hope this is helpful for you when you're starting out there that, hey, these mistakes happen and everyone has made one of these mistakes in their career at one point or another. If you're looking for the other podcasts that I recorded, again, you can go to my website, swimmingpolarity.com, and on the banner, click on the podcast icon. It'll take you to a drop-down menu of podcasts that I recorded. If you want to enhance your business, consider my coaching program at poolguycoaching.com. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Have a great rest of your week, and God bless. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Real quick, if you're not using pool service software, try Skimmer free for 30 days at getskimmer backslash pool guy. Again, that's getskimmer backslash pool guy. Skimmer, everything you need to run your pool service business all in one app.